Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. Good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, a great joy to be here with you, as we are so blessed to be able to share this hour together every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, live at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And then when we repeat the program on those same days at 10 p.m., uh, of course, Fridays, Cheryl comes and joins me for two hours of Friday Live, and we'll be doing that this week. We have a wonderful program lined up for you this week. Uh, but today, Wednesday, uh, middle of the week, um, it's tough to remember what day of the week it is, what the date is, what what month we're in. Uh, but this lovely May 6th, uh, a little overcast and rainy out today, but that's all right. You know, uh, uh, every day is a blessing. It is the day the Lord has made, and so we rejoice and we are glad in that. And I am glad, my friends, that you're joining me today. Today I will share with you. Uh, some of our Holy Father's general audience, of course, it is Wednesday, and as he does most Wednesdays, Pope Francis and all of his predecessors would give a Wednesday general audience teaching. And today, uh, the Holy Father did that this morning over in Rome. Uh, so we'll go th- through that a little bit. And then I thought what we'd do, you know, we're in such darkness these days. You know, actually, in fact, today is kind of a dreary day, um, nice nap day, uh, but... but uh, you know, with all the coronavirus and now all the, all the, I, I just, I'm just a little, myself personally, this is just me personally. You know, I always say follow the guidelines, just follow the guidelines. But when you look at all that's happening, there seems to be now even more confusion. And uh, people aren't sure, or maybe people are just getting fed up and just, you know, not, not as, maybe not as frightened anymore. I don't know. Uh, of course, now they're releasing the um, the murder hornets, so that's something else to be scared about, <laughs> trying to scare the people. Um, but, you know, as I say every day, we just go to the Lord, we give it to Jesus, have nothing to worry about, nothing to fear. I think everybody wants to get back to work. Everybody wants to go back to normal. You know, you want to, my goodness, uh, Cheryl and I were going crazy not being able to hug our grandchildren. Uh, oh, that's that's the worst part of this for us, I think, is not being able to we love spending time with, with our Currently, two little ones and one on the way, thanks be to God. So uh, a third little Manfredonia baby is on his or her way. Um, but we miss we miss those uh, those interactions with our with our children because we have the grandchildren and our children. They're all grown up, though. Not, not, they're not as cute as the little ones are anymore. Um, but anyway, we so we're all just ready to get back to that. And there just seems to be a lot of darkness in the world, right? You know, a lot of just a lot of angst, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, uh, fear. Um, So I thought what I would do today, we're going to go to numerous saints today who had visions of heaven. (laughs) Let's let's talk about heaven and what awaits us all, you know, you know, 
some people would say you're a doomsdayer if you say, you know, come, I wish Jesus would come and, and, and take us home. But we've been waiting for this for 2,000 years. We've been saying, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, for 2,000 years. I mean, that's, uh, you know, in joyful anticipation, we await his second coming, not in fear, and, but we, we await his, his joyful, in joyful anticipation, his second coming, that the Lord will come and take us all home to heaven. So we'll go to some of the uh, great saints of our uh, church uh, history and talk about their visions of heaven. But before we do that, my brothers and sisters, we are going to pray. And as I'm doing now, we're praying this month this beautiful prayer that Holy Father Pope Francis composed for uh, the month of May. And he asked actually to pray this prayer at the end of our rosary each day. And remember now he asked every everybody to pray a rosary every day in their home, since we're all confined home, uh, to be able to pray a rosary every day and then pray this prayer at the end of the, at the end of the rosary. So we'll pray it today, as we've been doing, uh, and as a uh, uh, preparation for prayer, my friends. Once again, I invite you to, to raise up all of your special intentions. Uh, we we never know who's listening or how many or where from or watching. I see we have people watching on Facebook and YouTube. I don't know where you're from, uh, and friends who are listening, you know, on various means and platforms that we use here to communicate the gospel. But we come together, we're not contagious, we're united spiritually in the same uh, same place right now, and they can't stop that, you know, they can't prevent us from doing this yet, they may one day come in here. The stormtroopers may come in here and drag me out in chains, but we'll all rejoice in that, won't we? Uh, I, many of you will, I'm sure. <laughs> I know I will be. Um, but uh, we come together in prayer. And as I've said, you know, let's let's pray for our president, President Trump, who, you know, out of all the players in all this, uh, he is the one upon his shoulders. The entire situation rests in the end. And so we just pray for guidance, that he is um, guided by the Holy Spirit in all the decisions that he makes and how he leads us through this trial and out of this trial into uh, the next chapter of our our history, whatever that might be. And uh, I was watching today one of the—I guess I was listening on the radio to one of the uh, programs— and they were talking about election night 2016. Do you remember that election night 2016? If you were watching, and there's probably compilations of it on YouTube somewhere, where all of the mainstream media anchors and, and political pundits, as the election results were coming in for that presidential election, and it was becoming more and more evident that Donald Trump would be the winner of the, uh, the election, they were all so perplexed and baffled. And it was really placed on my heart that we need to pray right now and through the next six months leading up to the next election to really place this election into the hands of Our Lady. Of course, it's under her patronage that we place our country and the bishops reconsecrated to her on Friday and then have her present this to her son that we will see once again the hand of God completely baffle and perplex those who would want a particular agenda. And that's not to be political uh, necessarily, but it's just to be uh, uh, sensible in, in, a, in, a, in a 
faith-based way. To pray for the man, in this case, this next election, who will promote life, who will defend life, and, and who will, out of the two candidates, uh, presumed candidates anyway, this, uh, that we see, that uh, one is for life and one is not. And um, that's the foundation of everything else. So we'll just place him in prayer. And also, I will ask you once again, we prayed yesterday for our dear friend, our young friend Maria, 17 years old, suffering with a tumor on her brain stem uh, and suffering greatly right now. And as, as are her mom and dad and her entire family, but especially her mom and dad with her through this. Obviously, as you could imagine, my brothers and sisters, what a difficult, difficult thing this is, especially for parents in, in, in their helplessness to not be able to do anything. And I, 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 I'm sure he won't mind, but I, I did receive a, a text today. I kind of went back and forth a little bit with her dad, Brian, and um, Brian wrote, she is close, Maria is close to the end of her ability to endure. It's time for God. And so, once again, my friends, I'm just going to invite you again. We never know who's listening, who's watching, where you're listening or watching from. We are people of faith. We believe in miracles. And I have, we've been praying for, and proclaiming a miracle of extraordinary kind here because that's what it's going to take. But once again, let's take our friend Maria. We're not certainly we're separated by time and space, but in our in our in our uh, unity in prayer, we are so closely united right now, so close, uh, and we can take this young woman and 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 all of us together, because she, she herself right now is is basically paralyzed and and uh, incapacitated. That we can lift her with our prayer right now and the power of our faith and our trust. And we can take this beautiful young woman and, and again, place her into the loving arms of Blessed Mother during this beautiful month of May. And we take her right now by our prayer. We place her into the arms of Blessed Mother as she enwraps her in her blue mantle and then takes her to her son as she did at Cana of Galilee and asks for what we are asking. Blessed Mother saying to Jesus, servants are, are saying there's nowhere else to go but to you. And so we do that right now in our prayer. Wherever you are listening, wherever you are watching, and you know if this, if you're listening at 10 o'clock at night or you're watching the podcast, listening to the podcast or watching the video later on, it's all in God's time. And there's such power and efficacy in these prayers reaching thousands of miles away, reaching around the world. So we do that right now. We take our, our dear young Maria, all of us together, uplifting her and bringing her to Blessed Mother and asking Our Lady to, to as she takes her loving arms around her in those immaculate hands and, and takes her over to her son. And we pray for that miracle. And so let's begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God, in the present tragic situation when the whole world is prey to suffering and anxiety. We fly to you, Mother of God and our Mother, and seek refuge under your protection. 
Virgin Mary, turn your merciful eyes towards us amid this coronavirus pandemic. Comfort those who are distraught and mourn their loved ones who have died, and at times are buried in a way that grieves them deeply. Be close to those who are concerned for their loved ones, who are sick and who, in order to prevent the spread of the disease, cannot be close to them. Fill with hope those who are troubled by the uncertainty of the future and the consequences for the economy and employment. Mother of God and our Mother, pray for us to God, the Father of mercies, that this great suffering may end and that hope and peace may dawn anew. Plead with your divine Son as you did at Cana, so that the families of the sick and the victims be comforted and their hearts be opened to confidence and trust. Protect the doctors, the nurses, health workers, and volunteers who are on the front line of this emergency and are risking their lives to save others. Support their heroic effort and grant them strength, generosity, and continued health. Be close to those who assist the sick night and day, and to priests who, in their pastoral concern and fidelity to the gospel, are trying to help and support everyone. Blessed Virgin, illumine the minds of men and women engaged in scientific research that they may find effective solutions to overcome this virus. Support national leaders that, with wisdom, solicitude, and generosity, they may come to the aid of those lacking the basic necessities of life and may devise social and economic solutions inspired by farsightedness and solidarity. Mary, most holy, stir our consciences so that the enormous funds invested in developing and stockpiling arms will instead be spent on promoting effective research on how to prevent similar tragedies from occurring in the future. Beloved Mother, help us realize that we are all members of one great family and to recognize the bond that unites us so that, in a spirit of fraternity and solidarity, we can help to alleviate countless situations of poverty and need, make us strong in faith, persevering in service, constant in prayer. Mary, consolation of the afflicted, embrace all your children in distress and pray that God will stretch out his all-powerful hand and free us from this terrible pandemic so that life can serenely resume its normal course. To you who shine on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope, do we entrust ourselves, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Amen. And, my friends, we will also pray the prayers that Holy Father asks us to pray every day. The prayer to St. Michael the Archangel and the beautiful subtum presidium prayer to our Blessed Mother. And the Holy Father asks us to pray these prayers with the specific uh, intention of praying to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen.
And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And you know, my friends, I also want to thank all of you. You know, Yesterday was Giving Tuesday. It was the 17th anniversary of the incorporation of Domestic Church Media, kind of kicked off our month of uh, fundraising this May. As I've shared with you so often, it costs us about $25,000 a month to operate Domestic Church Media. And that includes everything. I mean, all four stations and everything. So that's really not a lot of money considering what the operation entails. But anyway, I did mention to you that in the month of April, we fell short by about $3,500. And that we were hoping yesterday, Giving Tuesday, uh, as designated by the Giving Tuesday organization, a special Giving Tuesday for people around the world to step out in faith and support their favorite nonprofit, uh, that we would kick off our month hoping to have a good kickstart uh, to raising at least the 25000 we need for the month of May to take us to the next month. You know, we operate month by month here. What the heck? I mean, that's, that's basically how we operate. But thanks be to God and thanks to all of you uh, that we did receive um, donations yesterday of about $3,200. So that almost covered the 3500 we fell short last month. So isn't that neat? Now, let's keep it up. Um, but I thought that was pretty providential that we, we by your generosity, uh, all of you good people who supported us uh, yesterday, uh, that we raised about $3,200, which, as I said, almost matches the $3,500 we lost not lost, but fell short uh, last month. So I'll just ask you, please keep doing that. Keep supporting us. We're hoping that we can get through this month of May by raising the 25000 that we need. I'll keep you posted and every now and then throw a little extra pitch here, now or there, now or then, to encourage you. Um, because this apostolate is, I know, a lifeline for so many people to our church. With the churches closed, no public masses being said, no sacraments. Uh, this is an important um, uh, apostolate to have available to so many thousands of people 24 hours a day, seven days a week, day or night. We are here, and we will continue to be here as long as you support us by God's grace. So keep those donations coming in. You can go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org. Click on the Donate Now button, and you can make a donation of your choice using your debit or credit card. Or you can write to us, Domestic Church Media, and our address is P.O. Box 7509. That's P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628, 08628. Very simple, Domestic Church Media, and we're a 501c3 nonprofit, uh, so your gift is tax-deductible as allowed by law. And our address is P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 0-8-6-2-8. That's 08628. Now, if you go to our website, Domestic Church Media, it's all right there. You can also make an online donation with your debit or credit card. Please, my brothers and sisters, keep supporting us because we do... Need you, and I'll probably be making this kind of pitch throughout the summer. You know, we did postpone our radiothon 
We've not rescheduled it yet. We're, you know, we're still kind of in, in lockdown here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, so we don't feel it's an appropriate time to have the Radiothon yet. But we will have it in 2020 at one point. Um, but in the meantime, we need to continue to pay our bills because they keep coming in. And uh, every spring, our Radiothon was the f- major fundraiser that would carry us through the summer and into the fall. And without that, uh, we we are we have fallen short. But again, we kind of made it up yesterday, which is great because uh, we were short 3,500 in April. But yesterday alone, we raised 3,200. 3, so that's that's great. Thank you for that. We'll keep that coming. All right, let's go to Holy Father's general audience uh, this morning over in Rome. It is Wednesday, and you know he gives his general audience uh, to a very uh, select few people in, in the uh, Apostolic Palace, I believe, um, uh, the Papal Palace, I should say. Uh, he said this morning that prayer, he's talking about prayer, prayer is a crime, I'm sorry, a cry, my goodness, a crime. Three slap sister, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I did get slapped by my sister once when I was in third grade. She slapped me. Uh, it was a weird thing, but she it didn't bother me. I, I turned out well. I'm still a Catholic, right? But let's start from beating in. Holy Father said, uh, prayer is a cry that comes for the heart of those who believe and entrust themselves to God. And as new cycle of teaching now, beginning today, will be on prayer. So beautiful. Uh, Holy Father said, not only do Christians pray, they share the cry of prayer with all men and women, but the horizons can still be widened. The Holy Father said, Paul says that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth. The Catechism states, and this is again from Holy Father, the Catechism states that humility is the foundation of prayer. Prayer comes from our precarious state, from our continuous thirst for God. And you know, from the very beginning of our uh, uh, catechesis, as children growing up in a Catholic home, you know, what's the first thing perhaps a parent or the parents try to teach their little, little ones? Making the sign of the cross, Right saying grace at meals or saying um, prayers before bed. Uh, we used to love those times. We used to love, I used to love getting the three of my kids in in in, uh, in the bedroom there and all three of us, all, well, I should say all five of us, praying together. And what a beautiful thing that was with their, their little feet pajamas and things. And they were they just come out of the tub, so they smelled great. It was, it was, it was just a lovely time. And it would often uh, uh, spark... A question and conversation about God, you know, about uh, just prayer and angels and, and Jesus. It was great. So from the very beginning, we learned to pray. And throughout our lives, then, prayer should become just a normal part of our uh, interaction with our God. So Holy Father said, prayer comes from our precarious state, from our continuous thirst for God. And he focused his catechesis on the gospel account of Bartimaeus, the blind beggar from Jericho. The Holy Father said, Bartimaeus uses the only weapon in his possession, his voice. He starts shouting, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus listens to his cry, the Holy Father said. Bartimaeus's prayer touches his heart, the heart of God, and the doors of salvation are opened for him. 
Pope Francis said he recognizes in that poor, helpless, despised man all the power of his faith, which attracts the mercy and power of God. You know, we in our most helpless states, my brothers and sisters, you know, our human condition will always try to, to focus our attention in, in ways that we have physical ways of, of getting through things or surviving, whatever the situation might be. But you've been there, and I know I've been there myself, and I'm sure most of you have been there as well, in certain situations where you get to a point and all you have left in your arsenal of, of, of things to use is prayer, where I can only cry out to God, just as Jesus did on the cross when he began praying Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, forgive them. He goes to the Father. He goes to God. And we do that, don't we? In those most extreme situations where we have nothing left. Nothing left. That's why it's so important to have developed a good prayer life in the course of our life. To understand that we can communicate with God anytime, anywhere, any way we want. He can read our hearts. He can read our minds. I have a prayerful conversation with God sometimes, and, I, and, and you know, I'm here by myself usually, so <laughs> I can go to the chapel and have, have a conversation with God, audible conversation. Sometimes I just have mental conversation with him because I don't want the old boy to hear what I'm saying. <laughs> he can't read my mind. God knows what I'm saying, but not Satan. But we should have that, and we because there will be those times in our life where we have nothing else to fall back on but our 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 prayer, our conversation with God. Holy Father says, stronger than any argument, there is a voice in the human heart that calls out. We all have this voice inside, a voice that comes out spontaneously, without anyone commanding, and a voice that questions the meaning of our journey down here, especially when we are in the dark. Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. This is a beautiful prayer, the Holy Father said. And we call to the Lord, you know, in those, those darkest times. We don't know where else to go. I, I, and I was, I was saying to Cheryl recently, you know, we were talking about, she always compliments me on my ability to, to um, recall things. I still can. I'm 65 years old, but I, I can I can give you dates and times. And, and in fact, I was thinking today. I'll tell you a funny story real quick. But it's not about prayer, but maybe maybe it is. Uh, today is is um, dedicated to nurses. Today is that what the, the White House said? It was dedicated to nurses, or is it you know International Nurses Day or something? Beautiful. I've I've known a few nurses in my life. You know the people that I've known uh, in the course of my uh, um, schooling and things. But back in 1978, 1978, remember this, February of 1978, we had a blizzard here in this area, the blizzard of 78. And my pal Peter and I, we were a couple of, uh, I guess we were just out of college, and we each had, uh, I think we were both teaching at the time. Uh, but the blizzard, there was no school. So we heard on the radio that they were looking for uh, anybody with four-wheel drive vehicles to go pick up nurses and bring them to the hospital because they had no way of getting there, but people with four-wheel drive vehicles they could do that and uh, so Peter and I thought 
it would be a great way to meet girls, <laughs> young nurses. And so we, we, because Peter had a four-wheel, his dad had a big four-wheel drive, so we used that. And uh, we were going around, and we'd get the addresses, and they'd tell us where to go pick up the nurses. And we thought, oh, we'd meet these nice young nurses, and maybe we'll find ourselves a couple of girlfriends. Every nurse we picked up was about 50 years old. <laughs> and, and we were getting a little frustrated. Uh, I don't know how I got on that, but anyway, it was... <laughs> Um, but the Lord called in our prayer, he, we, we, we call out and we cry out to him in any way we can in those most darkest and, and, and trying times. And he loves when we do that. He loves when we reach out to him, you know, to, to, and we should, from the very beginning of our understanding, pray, parents especially should be teaching their children how to pray. You know, I go in every day when I leave here at the, uh, in the evening, I'll go next door to our chapel, and I love to pray evening prayer. I love to pray night prayer before I go to bed. Uh, I, I love morning prayer when I come in here in the morning. And it's all formal prayer. You know, if you're reading, you're praying the Psalms, and there's a reading and things. Um, but I love that because it's such a, a wonderful way of communicating with God, and it allows me the opportunity to really place myself, especially in the morning as I begin my day here, and at night, when I leave, and at night when I go to bed, to stay united with him in prayer and to communicate with him. Um, this voice that, as Holy Father said, this voice that calls out, this voice inside that it's in every one of us that comes out spontane- spontaneously. And, and we, 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 you know, we question the meaning of our journey here on this earth, as the Holy Father said, and reminds us we all have that. But if we can stay in constant communication with God, with our Lord, in both formal prayer, but again, that beautiful informal prayer where we just have conversation with him, it's a beautiful way to begin, end our day, and throughout our day in prayer. Okay, I'll take a break. When I come back, we're going to go to some of the saints and their visions of heaven. So stay where you are, my brothers and sisters. More to come on Come to Me. Paul II stated that, for the disciple of Christ, evangelization is a duty, an obligation of love. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church states that evangelization is necessary for salvation. So we know we're called, but how do we do it? St. Paul Street Evangelization can help. To learn more, contact us at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. Here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There's six billion people, and we got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, 
we shall answer to God for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by that. Won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628, or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. The Eucharist is the greatest of all the sacraments because it contains in a substantial way the person of Christ who is the author of life. It is the one sacrament to which all of the other sacraments look. Imagine six arrows in a circle, all pointing to a center. The center is the Eucharist. The six arrows are the other sacraments. The Eucharist is the sun around which the other sacraments revolve as planets. All the other sacraments share in its power, and they perfect themselves in the celebration of the Eucharist. It is a sacrament that is so sublime that human reason could never guess at it. Divine love is far deeper than we know. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the Gospel, communicating hope, on these domestic church media stations. From Falsington to Fort Monmouth, Point Pleasant to Pennington, Seagirt to Spotswood, from Yardley to Yardville, Silverdale to Seagirt, Southampton to Seaside Heights. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. All righty, welcome back. And uh, in just a moment, I'm going to go to some of the saints and their visions of heaven in this time of darkness and anxiety and people upset about all kinds of stuff. Let's hear what the saints have to say about their vision of what awaits us beyond this world. That's most important because this world is passing. We're headed for eternity, eternal life. We certainly want to spend that that life in heaven. So we'll go to some of the saints and their visions of heaven. Uh, again, I want to thank all of you yesterday who came through for us uh, in a special way uh, in just the you know few hours that um, I spent with you here on the program, but also beyond. We sent a couple more emails out. 
through your generosity, we uh, received about $3,200 in donations just yesterday in one day, and that was great because uh, we fell short by about $3,500 in April, so that kind of made up for that. So we can take yesterday and kind of fill the gap for April and kind of keep moving with eight, with May and, and raise that 25000 that we need. Uh, that'll be a beautiful thing. So please keep keep supporting us. Spread the word. You know, I know everybody's very um, distracted in many ways, as you everybody should be. You know, we're trying to figure out what's, what's going to happen next, where are we going, uh, we're very blessed. Cheryl, you know, was re, her. She's back at work now because her her pastor applied for and got that PPP loan. So um, she's back on payroll. So that's good. She was on unemployment for about five weeks, uh, and that's not you know that's that's a very unnerving thing. You know, so and I know many of you in that in that situation. So uh, you know, you and thirty million other Americans. That's a horrible thing, horrible thing. So we got to pray, and prayer will get us out of this. You know, all the fixes that are out there, uh, whether it be economic or medical, all the fixes, that nothing is going to fix us like God can fix us. So give it to Jesus. Pray, have faith, trust, follow the guidelines, um, and just keep going forward. And just be at peace. Be at peace. Uh, Let's see. Um, Well, okay, I guess we'll go to... The Saints and Heaven. Well, that's a great, great place to. Oh, I want you know. I did find out um, today. Uh, I don't know if you saw. Before we get to the Saints, uh, I mentioned a venerable, a new venerable, actually, the Holy Father, recently venerated. Um, let me get to the correct article here. In front of me, um, Pope Francis today advanced the sainthood causes of five men and women. Um, he approved the heroic virtue of Italian priests Francesco Caruso and Carmelo di Palma, as well as the Spanish redemptorist priest. Um, but the fifth sainthood cause which I found very interesting, move uh, a step closer toward canonization was that of an Italian teenager, Matteo Farina, Matteo Farina, who lived from 1990 to 2009. Died, he just died just 11 years ago. And Holy Father made him and declared him a venerable today. Matteo Farina. Uh, he grew up in a strong uh, Catholic family in the southern Italian town of Brindisi, uh, he was very close to his sister. The parish where he received the sacraments was under the care of the Capuchin friars, from whom he gained a devotion to St. Francis and Padre Pio. So this young boy who died in 2009. So again, we're just talking, we're talking uh, 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 11 years ago he died. The postulator of Farina's cause for sainthood said that from a young age, Matteo had the desire to learn new things, always undertaking his activities with diligence, whether it was school or sports or his passion for music. Starting at eight years old, he would receive the Sacrament of Reconciliation often. He was also devoted to the Word of God. At nine years old, he read the entire Gospel of St. Matthew as a Lenten practice, because his name was Matteo, and he also prayed the Rosary every day. When he was nine, he had a dream in which he heard St. Padre Pio tell him that
that if he understood that who was without sin is happy, he must help others to understand this so that we can all uh, go together happy to the kingdom of heaven. And from that point forward, Matteo felt a strong desire to evangelize, especially among his peers, which he did very politely and without presumption. He once wrote about his desire, saying, I hope to succeed in my mission to infiltrate among young people, speaking to them about God. I observe those around me to enter among them as silent as a virus and infect them with an incurable disease, love. And in September 2003, a month before his 13th birthday, Mateo began to have symptoms of what would later be diagnosed as a brain tumor. And as he was undergoing medical tests, he began to keep a journal. He called the experience of the bad headaches and pain one of those adventures that... uh, um, Oops, I I just missed my place here because I'm on a laptop. He called the experience of the bad headaches and pain one of those adventures that change your life and that of others. It helps you to be stronger and to grow, above all, in faith. And over the next six years, Mateo would experience several brain operations, undergo chemotherapy, and other treatments for the tumor. His love for the Blessed Mother strengthened during his time, and he consecrated himself to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, In between hospitalizations, he continued to live the ordinary life of a teenager. He attended school, hung out with his friends, formed a band, and even fell in love a little with a young girl. He later called the chaste relationship he had with Sarina, Serena, during the last two years of his life, the most beautiful gift that the Lord could give him. When he was 15, he reflected on friendship, saying, I would like to be able to integrate with my peers without being forced to imitate them in mistakes. I would like to feel more involved in the group without having to renounce my Christian principles. It's difficult. Difficult, but not impossible, Matteo said. And eventually, uh, the teenager's condition worsened, and after a third surgery, he became paralyzed in his left arm and leg. He would often repeat that we must live every day as if it were the last, but not in the sadness of death, but rather in the joy of being ready to meet the Lord. He died, surrounded by his friends and family, on April 24, 2009, and the postulator of Mateo's cause wrote on a website dedicated to the young venerable that in him emerged a deep inner commitment oriented toward purifying his heart from every sin. And he experienced this spirituality not with heaviness, effort, or pessimism. Indeed, from his words, there emerges constant trust in God, a tenacious, determined, and serene gaze to the future. Um, Matteo often thought about the faith and the difficulty of going against the current. Uh, Concerned about a lack of good faith education for young people, he undertook his task among his his own peers. Um, Anyway, so young boy uh, died in 2009 um, from a brain tumor, um, made venerable today by Holy Father. But I I think a good good venerable to maybe introduce uh, any young people you know to because he was a contemporary. He lived, you know, he just died 11 years ago. Um, so anyway, his name is Matteo Farina, F-A-R-I-N-A, Matteo Farina. You can do a Google search uh, for him. There's a website. I found it. It was in Italian, unfortunately, um, but there probably is an English translation to it, but it's Matteo Farina, Matteo Farina. 
All right, let's go to uh, the Saints and um, Vision of Heaven. <laughs> because hopefully, prayerfully, one day, we'll all be there. And this world is passing, as you know. Um, of course, first they put St. Faustina, and I'm reading from a list of, of saints here. Uh, St. Faustina once wrote this about heaven. So just put yourself in, into, into the presence of, of what Faustina is describing. Today I was in heaven, in spirit, and I saw its unconceivable beauties and happiness that awaits us after death. I saw how all creatures give ceaseless praise and glory to God. I saw how great is happiness in God, which spreads to all creatures, making them happy. And then all the glory and praise which springs from this happiness returns to its source, and they enter into the depths of God, contemplating the inner life of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, whom they will never comprehend or fathom. The source of happiness is unchanging in its essence, but it is always new, gushing forth happiness for all creatures. So imagine this, an eternity of unchanging happiness. You know, here we worry about things from day to day. You wake up in the morning, uh, things creak. <laughs> it's not your bed. <laughs> it's it's a joint, an arm, a leg, an elbow, a shoulder. <laughs> Things are snap, crackling, and popped that never snap, crackled, or popped before. In the old days, we were growing up, you know, when we ever hear about snap, crackle, and pop, it means we were eating a bowl of Rice Krispies. Today, the older you get, snap, crackle, and pop in the morning means you're getting out of bed. <laughs> but imagine all that gone, not worrying about that, not fretting about anything, not being anxious about anything, just this unchanging happiness that is always new. You know, so, you know, it, it's not like it's, okay, I'm, I'm bored of being so happy in eternity. It's always new. It's always a new happiness. Um, so that was St. Faustina. Now, St. Alphonsus Maria de Liguori told a story uh, shared with him by a superior of the Jesuit order about a different superior who appeared to him after death and gave a detailed report about what sort of treatment different people could expect in heaven. According to the departed superior, the rewards of heaven are not equal for all who enter, but all who enter are equally satisfied. This is what um, is taught to be the, the different levels of heaven. You've heard someone say he or she was in seventh heaven. So it's different levels of heaven. Let me first read what the superior uh, said and wrote, and then I'll kind of explain that a little bit better. Um, so anyway, the, the Jesuit superior was telling St. Alphonsus Liguori um, about um, another superior who had died. He said, now I am in heaven. Philip II, king of Spain, is in heaven as well. So he named Philip, the, <laughs> Philip II being there, king of Spain. Uh, we both are enjoying the eternal rewards of paradise, but they are very different for us. So they're both enjoying uh, the rewards of heaven, but they're both very different for us. He says, my happiness is much greater than his, for it is not like when we were still on earth. 
for then he was royalty and I was a commoner. We were as far apart as the earth and sky. But now it has been reversed. As lowly as I was compared to the king on earth, I now exceed him in glory in heaven. However, we are both happy, and our, ha- our hearts are completely satisfied. So this superior sees this king of Spain. It'll be like, you know, you or me going to heaven, and, and uh, there's Queen Elizabeth. You know. Hopefully, she, but before she died, she converted to Catholicism. <laughs> but she's up there. And, you know, in this world, you can't get near the queen. She's the queen. She lives in a palace. She has the royal bloodline, and you and I are commoners. But as this uh, uh, Jesuit superior said, in talking about King Philip of Spain, Philip II, that the roles were reversed. The Jesuit was uh, of a a greater, uh, exceeded him in glory in heaven, and the king was in heaven. But this is the key here. However, he said, we are both happy and our hearts are completely satisfied. And I remember one time, my dear friend, God rest his soul, Father Doherty, who was the the retired priest who many, many years ago was sort of my, although not formally, but in a sense was my spiritual director in the very, 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 very beginning of my transition into apostolate. It was Father Doherty who told me when I told him I was, you know, considering uh, getting into Catholic radio, he told me to get out of the boat. He was the one who said, Jim, you have to get out of the boat (laughs) of the security of your Fortune 500 uh, company job. Get out of the boat and start walking on the water. I've been walking on the water, my brothers and sisters, ever since. But Father Doherty was there. And he used to be like the little sexton in our parish church. He said Mass, and he would give beautiful homilies, but he'd also take very, very serious responsibility of ensuring that everything was properly done and taken care of uh, on the altar and the sacristy. So he was was there. So I would often see him there. I'd go there either go to confession and then, you know, be in the church late Saturday afternoon. But this uh, one Saturday afternoon, he, he came up to me. We were chatting. And I guess I had heard about the levels of heaven. And I asked him, I said, Father, I'm a little, I'm a little uncertain about what that means, levels of heaven. And here, this in this uh, piece I just shared with you, the Jesuit superior alluded to this about how they were both in heaven, although this superior exceeded the king of Spain in glory. But, he said, we're both happy and our hearts are completely satisfied. So Father, Do- Father Doherty said to me, and I don't know where, it wasn't this particular story that I heard, but I had heard about the different levels of heaven. What does that mean? If someone is in the seventh level of heaven, wouldn't they be happier than the person on the first level of heaven? And Father Doherty explained it this way. A good Irishman. He said, Jim, picture a shot glass, (laughs) a wine glass, and a beer glass. And they're all filled to the brim with water. They're all full. One has a lot more. But it's full. It's satisfied. The, little, the shot glass is full. It can't take anymore. That's it. It's full. It's, it's satisfied. One is no better than the other in the eyes of God. One is no loved no more, but the level of glory, the, the level of satisfaction are, is the same. The glory may be greater, but the satisfaction, the, they're, they're still completely satisfied. 
We want to shoot for that highest level of glory, don't we? We want to be that beer mug <laughs> filled to, to capacity. But if we are just the shot glass and we're there and we're filled, we're happy. Listen, I'll be happy to get into heaven any way I can. Uh, shot glass, beer glass, wine glass, any way I can. Thimble. <laughs> Fill a little thimble full of water. That'll be me. Just just eking my way in. That's a beautiful thought that you're there. You know, and 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 um one more here before we go. Pope St. Gregory spoke of the supernatural unity between the entire communion of saints in heaven and their seemingly infinite knowledge. Pope St. Gregory the Great wrote, Besides all this, a more wonderful grace is bestowed upon the saints in heaven, for they know not only them with whom they were acquainted in this world, but also those whom before they never saw and converse with them in such familiar sort of, uh, such familiar sort as though in times past they had seen and known each other. And therefore, when they shall see the ancient fathers in that place of perpetual bliss, they shall then know them by sight, whom always they knew in their lives and conversations. For seeing they do in that place with unspeakable brightness, common to all, behold God, what is there that they know not, that know him who knoweth all things? Meanwhile, other saints, I'm sorry, let me stop there. The the idea that when we get there, first of all, when you make it to heaven, you're a saint. You may not be in the official list of the official canon of the church, but if you're in heaven, you're a saint, number one. But imagine going there and seeing, like, St. Peter, who starts to converse with you, like he's known you all his life. I'm sure a lot of the saints uh, that we pray to now, you know, we have our favorites, right? Our go-to saints. They'll come right up to us and say, welcome, <laughs> and start conversing as if they've known us all our life. Well, they probably have. We've been praying them for, for how many years here on this planet. But imagine that, just going and, and think about I often think about, it. I, you know, we, we have on our in our family, my sister has done great work on the Ancestry.com website, so I can go back and trace the Manfredonia line back to the mid-1700s now in Italy. Um, and I like to see the line of the, 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 the patriarchs of the family down through the, through the line. You know, my grandson Jack now is the heir <laughs> to, that, to that line. Um, uh, but you know, I go back and see the Giovannis and the, and the Giuseppes and and the uh, the Angelos and the and the Pellegrino and all the and and we'll get to spend eternity with them, never having met them, but get to spend eternity with them, get to know them, and we pray that they're there. But then the great minds and the great saints of of the church that we we learn about now, we're talking about them right now. We'll get to see Saint Pope Gregory the Great or Saint Alphonse Liguori or St. Faustina, or St. Augustine, St. Joseph, and converse with them as if we were pals and buddies on this planet. They will know us that well, to be that familiar, because we're that united in Christ. We're that much united in the Lord, and so we are united in a special way. And especially as we enter into glory, it'll be a much more um, solidified and manifested uh, relationship that we have with them. 
as members of the uh, body of Christ, as members of the church triumphant. Uh, and and what, a, what a beautiful thing that is to look forward to. So, you know, we, we, we see and hear about all the stuff that's going on in the world today. It can drag us down, depress us, make us anxious, make us sad, make us worry, make us angry. But all this is going to pass. All of this is one day going to be turned to dust. And, you know, we can worry about who's in control, where are we going, what are we, how are we being, you know, where, where's the next uh, dollar going to come from or the next meal going to come from or are I going to have my job, not have my job, what's, who's going to be in the White House next year, which is, you know, we have to pray for the right things. But in the end, we're not meant to be here. In the end, we're meant to be with God. That's why he made us. Not to be here in exile, but to be with him in eternity. And what awaits us is beyond our human understanding. You know, I, we say when we finally do transition from this life into the next, will it be like a dream? No, you know what's going to be like a dream? This. When we are, are with God, there'll never be anything more real than that. This, our memory, we're going to bring with us, our, our intellect will bring with us. We'll remember these days. We'll talk about these days. We'll, we'll recognize people we knew on earth and, and, and be able to spend eternity with them. But that'll be the most real experience we've ever had when we finally transition from here to be with God forever. Okay, I'm going to go. Uh, coming up next, uh, Cresta in the afternoon, so stay tuned for that. Go to our website. Please help us out this month. We're trying to raise $25,000 to help us pay our bills domesticchurchmedia.org using your debit or credit card or invite to us here at Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you.